Look, it's a flood. It's a flood. It's flooding. Get away. Quick, we need to get to higher ground. Open the floodgates. Wow, that was like seven something minutes. I'm gonna just cut that. I would like to also point out that I shaved in seven minutes. And it was probably less than that because I spent time getting my beard together afterwards. Uh. Well, the level of culture that I am bringing to this podcast is rising up and crashing through. through. This is Dazzy. With the flood. Keep your death threats to 140 characters or less. The show, put a culture in context. With our pot perspective. To make the mainstream make sense. We're getting pretty smooth on that. This fucking timeline that we existed. Mm. Ever since Sylvie off the one who remains. What if Tick is a variant of Kang? What if everything Jonathan Majors is in Mm. Mm. is a variant of Kang and therefore is now canon in the MCU? At this point, isn't everything just a variant of everything? Actually, does that make every movie that every single one of the actors is in a variant of them in their... So everything is canon in the MCU now. Thanks, Sylvie. Yep. (laughs) Thanks. So we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, what else do we got this week for our listeners, Zig? Netflix is making a live-action Pokemon series. Mm. HBO is making a live-action Last of Us adaptation. I'll raise your live-action with a sad note. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. The drummer of Slipknot died. Rest in uh, peace, Joey Jordanson. Rest in peace, Joey Jordanson. I saw him in concert once when he was playing with Rob Zombie. He was wild. He would just keep drumming, and then they had the drum platform, like, go up and backwards. So he's now, like, looking downward at the stage. And then they would have it, like, rotate while he's still playing. That's fucking nuts. That sounds wild as shit. That sounds like some floating Kanye stage shit. I know there are people whose heads exploded just now because I compared a Joey Jordanson stunt to a Kanye stunt. And this isn't a Rob Zombie show, so there was already plenty of theatrics going on. I was going to say, but hear me out. As far as theatrics go, we all know Kanye West is a dramatic motherfucker. So (laughs) let's not pretend like comparing some dramatic shit to some dramatic shit is that far out of the lineup. Speaking of lineup, Lollapalooza just dropped the baby from their lineup uh, following those statements he made about homophobic, or those homophobic statements he made at that concert performance he did. Um, So, you know, Toxic Summer is in full effect. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Toxic Summer. Wait, where's the uh, Tory Lanez Chris Brown? Uh, Look, I mean, speaking of Toxic Summer, everybody's seen that photo going around of the fucking Lollapalooza crowd, right? Like, you want to talk about uh, Super Spreader event? Hey, guys, I know it's fun to be back outside, but wear a mask, wash your hands. Fun fact, you know who founded Lollapalooza? Who? 
Fer Perry Farrell, the lead singer of James Addiction. Oh, shit. For real? Yep. Ah, check that out. That's just like, uh... Lollapalooza is also why Nine Inch Nails got as much publicity as they did. Oh, you think? Mm -hmm. That was the jump-off point for... That's hot. That's hot. That's hype. That's hype. I'm with it. I'm with it. Speaking of uh, Tory Lanez, Tory Lanez just, you know, dropped a new album for his birthday. Um, you know, was turning up that, with... like his third one in the past year? Was actually turning up with Chris Brown and... <laughs> Club with for his birthday. So, Toxic Summer in full effect. You know, we out here, we with it. Your favorite Toxic Daddy has been back out there. You know, stirring up a little heat. You know, some phone conversation. They just dropped some screenshots from a phone conversation he had with the DOJ. Nothing special. I don't know, might be something special. We'll talk about it later on. I have a workshopping name for... This kind of lighthouse update. Oh, a specific kind of lighthouse update. A specific kind of... <laughs> oh my... Oh, oh the capacity. I'm so sorry. I have... Please? I not. Oh, I can't even... Do you... Where's your phone at? Can you take a picture of it? Okay, so for everybody listening... Oh, it disappeared! No, go back! I can't go back! Oh, what a moment in time. <laughs> Fuck, we took too long. <laughs> Alright, so... Why didn't you just screenshot it? I don't know how to screenshot on this computer. <laughs> so for There's the print screen button! That prints the screen, though. Describe what we just saw. So for everybody listening. I don't know why it was being advertised to me, but I have opened a web page that had an ad bar at the top of it that featured a shirt. Hawaiian shirts. A Hawaiian button-up silk shirt. It may or may not have been a Hawaii lily head, but it was a Hawaiian button-up shirt. That shirt has got to be in here somewhere, right? Right? Nope, that's not the one, however, that's it's damn close. very close. It is very close. Okay, so once again, this shirt, we're getting very close. Okay, so okay. I remember exactly what it looked like while you are finding it. Yeah, I was going to say, it can is, you describe it, it while is I'm looking a, for a it? a Hawaiian shirt, the print of the Confederate flag. Uh-huh, not just the Confederate flag, but a bald eagle and stars. There is a bald eagle. Ah, here it is. And a cross. Over the American flag, so a cross in the upper left-hand breastplate corner. Right above your heart. We talked about toxic in Christian too. nationalist ideology. That is yeah. that is yeah. the whitest thing. This is the whitest shirt. That is the no. whitest no. thing no. I have. I don't even. Feel I'm not like, even gonna give that to. No, that's not even us. I don't feel like it's fair to white people. It's not, and that's really saying something. This is the most American thing I have ever. It, the cross, the shining cross over your heart. In the whole the what's more American to punch a Nazi or be a Nazi? That's the be a Nazi more American. One nation. I'd also like to point out that the the shining, the shining cross is not over the American flag. What in the NASCAR? It is over the thank you. It is over the Confederate flag. One nation under God on the right side of the chest. 
with the American flag in the background, and then there is a big flapping fucking bald eagle draped in a Confederate flag, like just straight. No, I, I think they made the 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 eagle's wings the Confederate flag. <laughs> like it is the fucking spirit animal of every NASCAR patron. Yee yee, motherfucker. Oh my lord. Cheers, America. Anyway. I'm going to cover up the beer I'm drinking because... Now close that website for Google. Take the screenshot first! No, I'm gonna leave this open. I need this open. Um, the webpage I had open was, you know, going back to our Lollapalooza update. While Tory Lanez was celebrating his birthday, the baby was busy being kicked off of lineups for being toxic. Meg The Stallion opened up to a hundred and eighty thousand person crowd. This Wait is, for her to step up. This is following um, Rico Nasty's fucking. I, was it Rolling Loud? Rico Nasty's Rolling Loud performance was fucking huge too. I don't know the numbers for that, but I mean these uh, female MCs is bringing the motherfucking heat while some of you niggas is out here Fred Durst looked like he was in Fred Durst was dressed like he should have been in a Beastie Boys music video (sighs) damn yo I mean I saw because those guys always dressed up in like gimmicky outfits I saw the pictures of old man Fred Durst and I just want to know is he still doing it all for the nookie (laughs) (laughs) you know Mark when we interviewed him he was like, I asked him what kind of music he wanted underneath, and he was like, Limp Biscuit. I'm ah! like, <laughs> I knew I liked Mark. And he was I like, Limp Biscuit. I was like, I knew I. Liked I mean, Mark. I shamefully but I, unironically like that band, and he's like, I proudly and unironically like that band. <laughs> Make the stallion opening up to 180,000 person. That shit. That's insane. That's, that's big numbers. That's insane. So, you know, her rise is steadily climbing. Speaking of new music, there was quite a bit of new music that dropped over the week. I listened to one of them. <laughs> to one of them? What have you been listening to lately? Nothing? Me? I've actually been going into my Discover Weekly, which has been giving me a lot of a lot of like alternative. I gotta. I would have to look up. And I was play gonna say, stuff. what's on the way for you right now, though? I mean, I mean, I did really... check out that uh, new Isaiah Rashad album. Okay, yeah, that was on a list of things I got here. My list of tunes that I brought for you to. Doc's review. Out of the albums that I've listened to, like over the last couple of weeks, I'm getting caught up on Tyler the Creator's new album that he dropped. What's his sound like now? Because I know Tyler mostly from Hot Future Wolf Gang Kill Em All. Okay, so, spoiler alert. Tyler, the creator's new album is number one on my list of albums that I've listened to that have dropped this summer. Um, J. Cole? Yeah. J. Cole's new album was heat. I mean, don't get me twisted, but Tyler, the creator's production is fucking crazy, yo. He never, like, he... That dude doesn't fucking miss. Like, for anybody that is, like, really sleeping... Now, like... I don't know. Flower Boy had good production. Call me if you get lost. Like this shit, I, all these shits are like that I'm about to name are like pretty much just like vibes all the way through. If you're looking for something that you ain't gotta skip through, uh, most of the albums I'm about to listen or 
list off here are... Yeah, tell us about the Isaiah Rashad album. You described it perfectly when I was listening to it. You're like, it's like the perfect vibe music. It is. But if you're going to listen so, to it, he's still, like, thought-provoking. Yeah. Um, so, number one, though, still has to be Tyler, the creator's Call Me If You Get Lost. Uh, number two, for me, is The House Is Burning, long-awaited album by Isaiah Rashad. I played that shit, like, four times in a row when it dropped. Tell him, King! Four times in a row. Four! And it was fucking madness. Every... I didn't one, two, it. three... Four. I didn't skip not a motherfucking song. Not one. That track. This joint got features from Smino, SZA. It's got Lil Uzi Vert on there. The House Is Burning is a reference to a collective that Isaiah Rashad came from in Chattanooga, which was like the house, right? Like, I, and it was pretty much in reference to the house that them niggas recorded in the same way the dungeon was a reference to the actual basement that them niggas recorded like how locks is an abbreviation of i mean i've heard that it's either deep block i also heard that jalen was like it's the warlocks i don't i don't know i can't speak to that but, but um like how locks is just an abbreviation of mm-hmm. but this joint got j-rock on it it's got uh, House Alumni, YG Tut. It's got Six Black on it. Six Black. It's got Black on it. The nigga's name is not Six Black. <laughs> I always do that. Dead <laughs> um, 5. Yo, and it's got some dope uh, Kenny Beats production on here. The, the joint, it's just, yeah, the shit, it just go. From beginning to end, the shit just go. From the Garden, with Lil Uzi Burt was one of my favorites. Um, I also liked... I also liked All Herb. That was a dope-ass track that had that real, like, when I told you that, like, zoned out, like, kind of in-your-zone in vibe, like, that's yeah. one of those tracks. Basically uh, the kind of music that I put underneath of... Yeah. Uh, underneath of this podcast. Yeah, Claymore definitely goes like that. That's the track with Smino. I mean, Lay With It was the first single that he dropped in a teaser anticipation for the album. That's that Duke Deuce joint. And it really, that shit, I mean, that's the banger on the whole album. Alright, so you say that the Tyler album is better than this. You think it's better than J. Cole. And you... Yes. What, how, yes. What, where do you put Culture 3 on this list? So... It's already fallen out of my rotation. I was going to say, gonna Culture Tree. Culture Tree? <laughs> culture Tree! It, it didn't keep up with me, right? Like, that was easily forgettable. Um, you want to know a fun, no, uh, phonetic, to a fun phonetic uh, uh, joke? What? Say, uh, my cocaine. My cocaine? I love Michael Caine. My cocaine. My cocaine. Michael Caine! Dave East and Harry Fraud did a uh, collaboration project together. I don't know if you know who Harry Fraud is. But nope. Pretty well-known producer. Like a mix of Scott Storch and The Alchemist. Like, I guess for people who are trying to pinpoint what that sound would be like, there are some people who might not agree with that. But that's uh, that's what I could come up with off the top of my head. Well, anyway, that tape was dope. It was another vibe tape. It was boss talk, like real, like mafia don. I mean, Hoppa, right? Was like the whole theme. And it's been five years since Isaiah Rashad dropped. Been a while since. Been a Logic. while. It's been a while since both Logic and Dave East have dropped. 
I can't name one specific track from the Dave East tape that I really like that stuck out to me. Um, that's not to say that the project wasn't good. It's definitely, like I said, it's it's boss talk, right? So like you up in the morning, you getting your coffee going. You, Suit rap? Yeah, yes, yes. Suit rap. You planning your day out, right? And you want to play that boss shit? You put on this new Davies Harry Fraud joint, right? Like, and you could rock that shit until this time to hit the, you know, 695, you know, 97 or whatever and get on yeah. your way, right? But Bobby Tarantino 3. I don't like the way you started. No, I'm not disappointed by Bobby Tarantino 3. Right, um, Logic definitely delivers on what Logic is known for, right? So if you like... Quirky, fast, good good flow. Good production. If you like, it kind of like catchy tunes and melodies, you know, throughout the lyrics and stuff like that. You know, Logic is always good for a kind of like catchy hook. I will say his album, Incredible True Story, is fucking incredible. Right, that, I mean, to date is probably still uh, like top tier album for me as far as I mean he had the voice actor for Spike Spiegel on there uh so speaking of that my favorite track on Bobby Tarantino 3 was See You Later Space Cowboy oh Uh, wow (laughs) transitions um so I can't really name oh um fuck there were some other joints on there that I can't think of off the top of my head that, that I really like I'll you know list them on Twitter or whatever, if you guys really want to know. It wasn't bad. Uh, Logic said he did it for the fans. Like, he specifically said he did it for the fans when... He oh, yeah. Wasn't he, like, supposedly retired? Yeah. This nigga literally said in the album, I woke up one day and decided I wanted to rap again, and you guys have been asking me to put out a new album. So, here it is. And for that being, like, okay, so I'm taking that as... That's the perspective he approached his album from. Like, like that... Now that we do this, I can totally appreciate it. I'm just gonna, yeah, the nigga said, I'm just gonna, you know, have fun with it, right? And if you're looking for an album that's like, you know, backpack heavy, you know, Logic always goes on those uh, three six kind of trap style beats or whatever. It's actually, never mind. It's really hard for me to imagine because we come every single Saturday for y'all. Every single Saturday. Said. What is retirement? Something that will never fail. achieve or will be in our upper 70s. Consistency is what we offer you, and consistency is what we deliver every fucking time, B. How many times do we gotta show y'all we come in here and we do the same thing every fucking Saturday, bro. I mean, it's like including after repeat, I come on this court and I fucking bucket drop every goddamn night for you motherfuckers, and y'all don't seem to appreciate what we bring to this game. Alright, anyway. perfect transition because this was the, the working name I was going to go with for this kind of lighthouse update. Called Splash This motherfucker don't miss. No, he's fucking good. That motherfucker don't miss, man. He's good. In the heat of battle, he don't miss. No. In the heat of controversy, he don't miss. No. Gay, 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 gay. And by these, I mean, this is something that we said and then actually happened afterwards. Called it. Michael B. Jordan is going to be taking the the Alonzo role 
for a training day prequel. Called it! Called Splash! Woo! Hey, watch out. And it's great, like the Golden State Warriors, they're the Splash Bros. <laughs> yo, yo, look, I mean, we tried to tell y'all, it was, it's obvious what Michael B. Jordan is doing. Listening to the flood of Dr. Ziggy. Clearly, clearly, as you should be. And if you're not, then you need to get hit. A couple of the other albums that I listened to this week, Young Dolph dropped Paper Route Illuminati, um, which was the collective project from the Paper Route Empire label. You know, Young Dolph, Key Glock. Uh, that's all I could really name. It was vibe. I have actually been uh, listening to slash watching something that we will be getting into later, because that is a little a little bit of the, uh, the heavier material. Well, we will get into the rest of that after we take a quick break! Listeners who didn't wish to hear about such things should t- turn off their radios. The actor, I haven't figured out. Ryan Coogler would direct. And then, uh... Mick Jenkins for the soundtrack. Ooh, I like a Mick Jenkins soundtrack, though. That would be... God damn it, that's what we need is a fucking Mick Jenkins project. Where you at, Mick? God, Jesus, I'm waiting on him and fucking Westside Boogie to drop new projects. Who'd you got me for? Actor, actor... To play me, director, and who does the soundtrack? So, Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, Don't know how I feel about that, <laughs> but continue. Definitely Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm. Ben Stiller. I have one that actually. Continue. So, or Judd Apatow. Okay. And for the soundtrack, it's got to be The Strokes, though. Boom! All right, that one I definitely was like, it's got to be The Strokes. Right, it's got to be The Strokes. Um, could you imagine a Benedict Cum- a movie directed by Judd Apatow starring Benedict Cumberbatch with a Stroke soundtrack? All right, so here's what I was going to say, ready? Sounds like a 2000s like, sex drive movie. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Ah, okay. I could see that. Directed by Tarantino. Okay. Okay, so you want more stylized. As done as a dialogue-driven comedy. With the strokes as a soundtrack. Okay. It would be kind of like... like I yeah. don't feel like Tarantino is the director for this, though. Like... Maybe, like... It also could just... I could say Tarantino because I'm a pretentious fuck. But I don't know. That's what therapy's for. Yeah, I could see, yeah, like Darren Aronofsky for your movie. The director for Requiem for a Dream He's for done, my movie. He's done more than that, though. He's also done <laughs> Mother. He did Black Swan. 
the wrestler. All of these sound like very sad stories. Yours doesn't have to be sad though. Like, just because I'm talking about the way like it's stylized and shot though. Like, I I'm just glad you didn't say Michael Bay. No, no, John Hughes. I don't want a John Hughes movie made in Yo, 2020. With the fucking dead? with the stroke soundtrack? Are you fucking kidding, bro? Are you fucking kidding me? Right now. Starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Who the fuck else is supposed to direct that movie other than John Hughes? <laughs> uh, the fuck out of here. Yeah, you know I'm right. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> a Q high fidelity. <laughs> Is that a John Hughes movie? I, I fucking, you would have bet money. 16 candles, come on, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, right? Like, you want a dialogue-driven comedy. Uh, weird Science, I love Weird Science. Dude, the first Home Alone was a John Hughes. Maybe that was just a John Hughes production. Uh, I know who I want it to be directed by. Who? Guy Ritchie. Okay. Okay. I will give you Guy Ritchie. Do you know how good I would do the, and then I says to him. <laughs> <laughs> that would be your entire movie. Right, is you and the table. <laughs> and then like things would happen, and then I'm just like, and then I says to him, and then it flashes to another scene. That's like, have you ever seen the movie London? All right, so Joseph Gordon-Levitt, directed by Guy Ritchie, soundtrack by The Strokes. I'd watch the fuck out of that movie. Of course you would. <laughs> of course you would. You all would. Hopefully, watch the fuck out of that movie. Yeah, I'm projecting <laughs> the entire movie. Would you be you doing a flashback? And, and then I says to him, <laughs> "Who's your favorite guy, Richie?" And then I says to him, "Idris Elba is probably mine." I don't even know. I was gonna say, speaking of flashbacks, I saw an article this week that brought up Final Fantasy and its impact on the way millennials look at climate um, and climate change. And I thought it was a very interesting dive, so I sent my man Zig the article. The headline says, How Final Fantasy VII Radicalized the Generation of Climate Warriors. I do not feel like the article delivered on the headline. First and Neither do I. Because I did not take away from Final Fantasy VII, oh, everyone's just gonna die. I mean... That's kind of the reason why I brought the article to you, right? Because I was like, I get the, you know, the fact that you are playing as, you know, climate terrorist or <laughs> eco-terrorist in the game, which I often forget, right? Like, you forget the... F fucking storyline of Final Fantasy 7 except for the part where like Sephiroth stabs Aerith, right? <laughs> Most people who aren't heavily invested in this MMORPG? JRPG. JRPG. 
Most people who are interested in this This game helped me learn how to read, man. Look. So you have, so I find it funny that the game had that much of an impact on you, right? But the whole fucking eco-terrorism, like climate change, climate warrior aspect of it, completely like, you know, r slash whooshed you. Well, for me, it more represented doing the right thing for the right reason, regardless of what's going against you. Which was, in the case of the game, destroying the environment ruining corporate suck machine that is Sith. Well, Sin was Final Sin. Shinra is yeah. the company. There you go. So, I mean, yeah, that's the part of me me going, big corporation, bad. Yeah, that yeah. might have come from Final Fantasy VII a little bit. So, slightly, right? Like, part of the message kind of influenced the way you... But were. really, like, you like, also have to remember, like, growing up Catholic, and sorry, spoiler alert, for a game that's over 20 years old, when Aerith died, the martyrdom aspect, like... So, I played that game again within the past right. five or six years. Right. And uh, definitely cried when I watched Aerith die. And then immediately I had to fight Genova, and Genova was like, Aqualong! And then Dang. kills my whole team. So then I had to go and watch Aerith die again. That's who and I then was. Genova was like, Aqualong! And this happened four times. And by the end of it, I was just a wad of, of tears. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. It's not Sin. It was Genova? Yeah. So... You don't think this idea floats at all? I think... Even considering the ending of the game, which, you know, shows all the animals and, you know, nature retaking everything in, a, in an inherent peace with no sign of humanity, right? Because, I mean, you can also the, take it this way. So, what if they did completely destroy Shinra, right? Right. And humanity dies out as a result from not knowing how to survive in the natural world at that point. Right. And that's kind of like the point that the game was making, right? So at the end, there is no humanity everymore, and, like, balance has restored itself, and the Earth has reclaimed its health, and there are no people left. And what the author of this article was, I guess the conclusion that they drew from that, was that the ultimate goal of these eco-terrorists. <laughs> you want to know what my biggest takeaway from Final Fantasy VII ending was? Was it that eco-terrorists... No, it was that Red Thirteen was the last of his kind. How come he has kids? You didn't even let me <laughs> say what I was going to say. All right, continue. <laughs> so wait, what about Red Thirteen? Red Thirteen was supposed to be the last of his kind. Fucky have kids! Because there are no more humans anymore, so he was able to With what? I don't know, ask Kane. Admotis. Ask Kane. Anyway, uh <laughs> you'll go back, you'll listen to that while editing, and you'll be like, like oh, okay. and able? Yeah. You know they were at that point more than the only two human beings on the planet, right? Yeah, it was them, mommy, it was the, and daddy. Cain and Abel was the first example, was the first incidence of murder. So, after Adam and Eve leave the Garden of Eden, they have... A lot of sex. Okay. We will 
<laughs> we won't, because you know exactly what the Episode of South Park. Yeah, a lot of sex. Enough sex to populate the entire planet so that Cain and Abel's instance of murder just happens to be the first instance of murder amongst, I don't know, how many people would you say was on the planet after that? Maybe like 100? 30. 30. So, <laughs> so, 30. Adam and Eve had enough sex to have 30 offspring. Because Cain... After- You're also assuming that Adam only had offspring with Eve. Weren't they supposed to be the only two people on the planet? Yeah, but maybe they had daughters, and daughters become lovers, and lovers become mothers. Shout out John Mayer. (laughs) My whole point was that after Cain murdered his brother, he went off and found a lover somewhere. There weren't supposed to be. Or he just, like, splits cellularly. And they're all clones. Now you're talking about Parthenogenesis. I don't think this is the pod or we have the time for that. I didn't even know that word existed. (laughs) So no, we are not equipped for that. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, what you're saying is the idea that Final Fantasy inspired and may have radicalized a generation of eco-warriors. Echo? Eco. eco I'll say it radicalized is not some. an idea that floats. This it is not, it, it's not a, a idea that floats for the whole generation. No. No. However, I will say the kids of those players are all on Twitter and let us know about it. I, I I agree with you um, for the most part. I think we had a lot of other things, like especially like if you consider like Captain Planet, she's our hero, and Sesame Street and all the you know PSAs. I mean, being PSA, don't forget to recycle, or I'll turn you into a fucking tree. Being good to the environment was thanks, Don Cheadle. Was a heavily pushed like agenda when you were growing up in the 90s as a kid like you know that recycling exactly like the push for like recycling campaigns and stuff like that I remember that like being a huge part of my and protect the rainforest and shit like that was a big part of now I will say this quote that it said it primed us for this concept of a battle between workers and hyper capitalist machine hellbent on extracting every ounce of value yeah I once again that though, it kind I uh, once again though I feel like that was the spark of, of my punk rockness. I feel like pieces of that were also seen in leftover remnants of like '80s cartoons and like early '90s children's TV and stuff. A lot of environmentally conscious media and content was already out there by the time Final Fantasy hit the market. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm saying. A lot of anti-corporatist uh, culture was already mainstream by the time Final Fantasy hit the market. So I think giving Final Fantasy credit for that. Final Fantasy Seven. Final Fantasy Seven. One through six were very 
more like swords and fantasy. Yeah, I mean, and they even mentioned that right in the article. They did do Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy VI started to play around with that. Yeah, they did a good job at mentioning that in the article that this game in this iteration of the anthology series specifically was different in the sense that it did branch away from the fantasy swords and the more you know motion based combat it was more dark and industrial and post apocalyptic was you know the the theme the new theme that they were playing around and then final fantasy 8 they were like people like cloud what if we take the protagonist to make him even more depressed <laughs> so yeah, I think that, I don't know, I feel like the impact that this may have had may have been overstated by this article a little bit. Cause to say that it's not, I can say that it made a lot of people aware of it. Yeah, it may have been the catalyst for, yeah, awareness, but I don't necessarily think it radicalized the generation of climate war. I'm not gonna lie, I wish I got through all of this article by the time that we brought this up. It's all good. I did, like, a brief reading of it. I didn't take any notes on it. What do you mean you didn't read the article? I read the article, I just didn't take notes on the article. Break! Now, I wanted to read this article a little bit more. Which one? So there's a couple lines in here. Uh, Shinra is more corrupt than evil, but in their blind pursuit of profit, they do two things. Weaken and impoverish the planet and most of its people, then create something that is truly evil, almost immediately lose control of it, and unleash it on the world they made more vulnerable. And by that, they mean the weapons. Sephiroth himself has an environmental cause, too, in that he believes humanity has polluted the planet. It would be better if he just became God and wiped these people out. For Stevenson, Emily Stevenson, online manager for the Environmental Defense Fund, the defining difference between the protagonist and Sephiroth is that avalanche is eco-terrorism, attacking reactors and facilities with a strategic goal that values life, while Sephiroth is eco-fascism, he still has environmental ethic, which is behind his pursuit of power. Final Fantasy VII's ambiguous generation-spanning ending also serves as a way of stepping back, looking at things on a 10,000-year time span. The planet is capable of healing, but whether or not it will heal enough to support our existence is human concern. Really, when we're saying we're thinking of the planet's health, we're thinking of the planet's ability to support our own health. The game itself is ambivalent about the lives lost, the collateral damage of pursuing safety. For me, that was perhaps the most gripping aspect. Even as I'm forced to follow a pre-written narrative, I'm asking myself, do I like the protagonists? Do I agree with them? That opening sequence lays bare the most challenging modes of relation we may face in the future. There is a large chance all of human civilization was wiped out. After looking into this argument more, it's a clickbaity headline, based on the content of the article. I mean, yeah, obviously, right. But that's why I said I even with 
consuming the entire article, I still feel like that that it was a good read, right? Oh, that was the point I was read. making. But I feel like to say that people were radicalized an entire generation, right. no. I will say feel, that yeah. the people that grew up playing it and pursued those, it certainly has an impact. And yes, some of those are people in positions of policy making. Right. And but to say that it radicalized an entire generation, I don't yeah. think would be accurate. I think the message behind the game is the what the article was trying to say is that the message behind the game is often overlooked, right? Like and there is a seriously deep message of like climate consciousness buried within the lore of this game that often goes overlooked. When I was younger, the big thing that made me able to just like get by, like get along with Avalanche is that Shinra was just so blatantly corrupt and evil. Right. Right. Like they were like kinda Mr. Like, Burns evil. Kind of like Frito-Lay. Kind of like Amazon. Anyway. <laughs> and yes, some of these people were coming up with concerns about like, do I even like these protagonists and everything? Right. And uh, I'm looking at it, well, look at the alternative. And if you look even as eco-terrorists, this is something that we talked about with Full Metal Alchemist, remember? Right. They tried, they humanize these characters, even though they are eco-terrorists. Just like in Full Metal, yeah. they humanize these characters. Uh, yes. Even though they're under and a working with regime. a fascist regime. Yeah. Exactly. Right? And you do put yourself... I like shows that put you in positions where you have to question whether or not you agree with the main character. Is this the real life? Or is this Final Fantasy? Wow. All in a landslide. Wow. Blow up reactors one through three. So, I mean, after you got to read the article a little bit more, do you agree with the position that the author is taking? That, that people who played this game may be, I guess, a bit more inclined to be climb more conscious when it comes to the environment. It is an understandable takeaway of the narrative. There are a lot of different things that can be taken from the Final Fantasy VII narrative. Like I said, mine was, fuck yeah, punk rock, down with the establishment, and my ABCs and one, two, threes. So, do you think Okay, like, broadening the discussion a little bit, do you think that things like Captain Planet, um, things like Final Fantasy, do you think that those things may have potentially radicalized a generation of millennials to be conscious and of you know, those issues and label those issues as... Because, I mean, what we... Once again, when we bring it in reference to the culture war, right? That we're having. The culture war. The old guard is holding on to traditions, morals, and values, right? And what we, what they fear millennials and Zoomers are doing is reestablishing and re 
determining the importance of certain values. I thought you were just going to say tearing down the white patriarchy. Well, I mean, that has become the mascot, right, for the target. Um, If the white patriarchy is Shinra, then are we Avalanche? I guess we're part of it, right? Like, we're part of the movement. But yo, Kyrie really went on Instagram when Nike revealed the Kyrie 8s, and he was like, these things are trash! None of you guys asked me about this shit at all! That's funny as fuck. I think Instagram- NBA social media is hilarious. It's just That's act- funny as shit, though. Absolutely hilarious. This nigga completely exposed the system. Like, yo, they did not ask or consult me before putting out this trash-ass shoot. So, do you have any fun things to talk about? I mean, in more TV show news, HBO is releasing the Last of Us adaptation. So, uh, Last of Us being the game, uh, Naughty Dog's most recent, I I would say, uh, top tier property. Yeah, they won Um, Game of the Year, I believe. Um, where you play as Joel and Ellie traveling across the United States during the heat of a zombie pandemic where Ellie may be the cure or the uh, the answer It's the may, plot of I Am Legend. Yeah. May possess the answer to uh, everybody's zombie problems. It's the plot um, of I Am Legend but HBO's yeah. Last of Us adaptation will star Game of Thrones alumni Pedro Pascal as Joel and Bella Ramsey as Ellie. And rumors report that the budget for the show sits at eight figures per episode. Jesus Christ. Per episode. Um, The production is set to have a 12th month schedule. There's no release date as of yet, but... That's an incredible casting for Joel. Pedro Pascal is amazing. At this point... He was also in Narcos for uh, another thing. As, um... One of the detectives. Oh, okay. Um, At this point, HBO and HBO Max have received up to 130 new Emmy nominations as far as their, like, shows this year have... Cleaning up. So, um, the show has five art directors and is... Quoted to employ an army of hundreds of technicians, right? So, um, their HBO is not fucking around when it comes to spending money on this project, from what the rumors sound like. Well, I mean, Last of Us is a very cinematic game, so it It, makes perfect sense. It's said to be the largest shoot, like, production shoot in Canada at the moment. Like, so they're shooting in Canada, but it's said to be the largest shoot taking place in Canada at the moment. HBO has yet to comment on the show's official budget, but the budget has said to have been having a multiplier effect on the local economy, benefiting tons of businesses in the area. 
according to the Yahoo News report. So, you know, big shit happening. Finally something to rival, like, the cinematic experience of Game of Thrones. So. So, speaking of big shit happening. Big shit popping. According to the New York Times. According to. Trump pressed the Justice Department to declare election results corrupt notes show. So I just want to start out. Um, I'm going to drop the line from the wire here. Nigga, is you taking notes on a criminal fucking conspiracy? What the fuck is you thinking, man? Handwritten notes from Trump. Handwritten. They, uh, were they from Trump? Because... Yes! From what I've seen, the, the notes that the, um, the committee for, what is it, um, the Committee of Oversight and Reforms received were notes from, uh, Jeff Rosen's deputy, Richard Donahue. Uh, they were notes that he took during the phone call that took place between Jeff Rosen and Donald Trump, where Donald asked Jeff to declare the election results corrupt. From what I remember reading, <clears throat> Donald simply said, just say the election was corrupt and leave the rest to me. And, and Republican reps. Insinuating that him and the rest of the GOP would take care of the rest. All the DOJ had to do was say that they found corruption within the election proceedings right and and the republican party would take the lead with the narrative right like donald ain't no dummy this motherfucker knows how to push a narrative right like he also knows how to press the boundaries because handing over the notes to congress is part of a pattern of allowing scrutiny of mr trump's efforts to overturn the election and uh, typically the department has fought to keep secret any accounts of private discussions between a president and his cabinet to avoid setting a precedent that would prevent officials in future administrations from candidly advising presidents out of concern their conversations would later be made public. Yes. So, so this is something where they also said it is extreme circumstances. Now, it is extreme circumstances, right. but that is murky water. So, but that to the point of that quote, right? Like, cause I took note of that too, was <clears throat> the fact that they found his actions so gross and so negligent that they are taking, that they are taking action to make sure people know that this kind of shit will not be tolerated from somebody in a position of such high standard. Right, and that's the way I took it, right? Like, they are saying they are allowing officials who worked in that department to speak unrestricted, meaning, like, candid, freely. Like, tell us what the fuck happened, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, nobody's gonna judge you here. Like, this is this judgment free zone. And let's not forget that, like, Trump had a month long campaign and where he sought to undermine this election, right? Like, this is deeper than the Al Gore, like, I demand a recount. This is also this like, an this extreme is, case of 
I didn't do it. You did it. This is false claims of, you know, false and debunked claims of voter fraud, right? Like, you know, they had something in here called Italy Gate, which is, this is my first time hearing about this. This is the shit, first right? time I've heard about it, too. <laughs> Was where they claimed that, um, but asserts it, without evidence that people in Italy used military technology to remotely tamper with voting machines in the United States. Why? Why drag Italy into this shit? What did Italy have to do with this? I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, what does Italy care? Several different uh, advisory boards, not advisory boards, several different boards have looked at, like, you know, these election results. Like, in Georgia, it was recounted, like, six times, son. Yeah. Like, sorry, <laughs> you lost. Six times. And they keep calling it the big lie, right? Like, I just feel like that makes me pissed off too, right? Because I'm like, can we stop giving him such grand titles for things? Like, the big lie. My lie. It was the biggest. <laughs> the biggest. So, this on top of the fact that the Treasury must now turn over Donald Trump's taxes to Congress, right? Like, it has officially been... I guess his taxes have officially been subpoenaed. And this is on top of the people and uh, the people of the state of New York against the Trump Organization, uh, the Trump Corporation, Trump Payroll Corp, the Trump Organization, and Alan Weisselberg. The attempts to quell the storm that is Donald Trump are piling up. They've now, you know, been granted access to his tax returns. Um, Not to mention, like I said, the uh, state of New York has the indictment going on against him. The potential run in 2024 is looking kind of shaky at this point, just legally. And if that's all it takes to stop him, then so be. Whatever works, y'all. But it's not really him that I'm worried about. You know, we still have... Uh, Ron DeSantis. Everyone else. Yeah, down in Florida. Um, the dude in Texas, I forget what his the name is. The fucking uh, League Greg of Evil. Abbott, or whatever his name is. And then there's Legion also... Of Doom, that was it. There's also the potential that fucking Don Jr. could run, right? That or cokehead. the fucking uh, the daughter, Ivanka. Like, what's the stop She's Ivanka Nazi. From She's Martin? in the KKK. <laughs> She's in... What is it? I always hear um, she's got a magic swastika. Wait, Ivanka is a Nazi. She's, she's in the KKK. KKK. She's got a magic swastika and loves the NRA. No, it's not a magic swastika. It'd be weird if it was a magic swastika. No. What'd she do? Like fucking throw it out like Cap Shield? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> um, I. I don't think we're done with the brand of American fascism that Donald Trump has uh, presented us with. Um, I do find it funny, though, that in a roundabout way, the man has done a lot of the things that he says he was going to do. Drain the swamp. Um, transparency, right? Like, remember, he said he was going to make the government more transparent. And as they stated in the statement you read earlier, that they don't normally do these unrestricted 
testimonies from former officials, right? Like, they don't normally do that kind of stuff. But because of the egregious nature... These unprecedented times. ...of Donald Trump and his campaign to undermine the election, they are now allowing more transparency. <laughs> and Ooh, question. Yeah. Do you think that the pandemic made us realize how crazy he is? Or we were all hyper-focusing on how crazy he is? I think we were all hyper-focusing on how crazy he was because the media was hyper-focusing on how crazy he was, right? Like, the narrative was, look at our crazy fascist president, right? And the narrative Look at our horse! Our horse is amazing! By the way, I heard that there is actually a legitimate hospital horse somewhere. I'm not surprised. They like, have yoga with goat therapy. Like, But, like, the John Mulaney bit. The horse is in the hospital. Look, we are not done with a lot of the things we thought we were done with culturally in the 90s and stuff like that, right? Like, a lot of what's going on with Donald Trump is the same kind of shit that Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan were getting away with. We just weren't going through a fucking pandemic and didn't have Twitter. Could you imagine how fucking nuts Ronald Reagan would have looked if he had a Twitter? Like, this man was literally going into dementia in his later years. Like, and a lot of people think Don is slowly sliding into fucking dementia, yo. He shits himself. I mean, if you look at the way he fucking, like, the, the pursuit of this narrative that the election was stolen from them is demented, right, in its nature. Like, even Al Gore gave it up, right? Like, and the election may have legitimately been stolen. I don't know. That That's conspiracy. Hi, right? Chad! There are people who think that the election may have legitimately been stolen from Donald Trump. But all I know is movement that this man has given birth to is not going to go away regardless of what cases they throw at him or even if they're able to lock him up well the the the, the new GOP the new America is not that that shit's not going to go away earlier this week uh, there were testimonies from Capitol Police Department Metropolitan Police Department, uh, four officers on uh, Capitol Hill, and it was one of the most horrifying and heart-wrenching things that I've heard in a long time. Some quotes from Capitol Police Department Sergeant Gunnell. I was more scared on January 6th at any time during my deployment in Iraq. They accused me of choosing my paycheck. Some of them had the audacity to say to me, it's nothing personal. He personally heard threats against Pelosi and Pence. He referred to them as insurrectionists and rioters. And they sa he said that his survivals kicked in when he was knocked on the floor and getting pulled at by the legs and people trying to grab his shield and baton. And what they experienced was like medieval battles. Rioters were screaming, take the Reichstag. 
he's needed infusion surgery on his foot and he needs surgery on his shoulder and physical therapy for over a year. And he asked, why was there a different response on the day than there were for the Black Lives Matter protest where they said they had plenty of resources and supplies? This, I feel like January 6th is still widely politicized, right? Like, I feel like we still can't get a good picture of what happened on that day and what happened leading up to that day because of the narratives behind the reporting, right? I feel like what, from based off of what I've read and what I was reading up to that point, because for anybody who was really following those movements, like, and what was going on on Bumble and Parlor and stuff like that, the January 6th was extremely telegraphed, right? Like, there were lots of people who were warning this was going to happen, and the people who participated in it spoke openly about doing it and planned it out in the open. <laughs> right? That's why so many of them have been arrested up to this point, because the evidence is plainly there, right? So... To this officer's point, the fact that they were not made aware of this prior to, they were not warned about it, right? Like they were left out in the open like sitting ducks because I don't know, hey, maybe they weren't taking it seriously, right? Like. So why Michael Fanone. We take it seriously. Michael right? Fanone, who is a. Uh, plainclothes officer in the Violent Crimes and Narcotics Division in the Metro Police Department. Right. Uh, he's worked undercover before, so he knows his shit. Yeah. He said he was getting many, many calls over his radio. And he said he simply couldn't ignore what was happening. And for the first time in over a decade, he wore his uniform. Right. And people asked him why he was there, and... He said he simply couldn't ignore what was happening about a place he cares about so much. Right. During the scrum, he asked if anybody needed a break and there were no volunteers. Yeah, he said nobody was bagging off the line. And this is a dude who, you like, he said he'd been in D.C. for 20 years, right? And you were saying how people were downplaying. He's trying to downplay it. And he has, he had two quotes that were extremely powerful. Right. I feel like I went to hell and back to protect them and the people in this room. I'm being told that hell doesn't exist or it's not that bad. That directly in reference or like directly re a response to what I said earlier, right? Like, cause the narrative that the people on the other side of the fence are pushing is that Oh, January 6th wasn't as bad as they're making it sound. I literally saw a senator say that when he looked at the tape, in hindsight or after the fact, you know what I mean? Late once all the commotion was done, he was like, it looked like a, a rambunctious tour was going on. Like, that's how he described it, was like, it looked like a regular tour, but people were being loud and rowdy. Well, tell that to Michael Fanone. During the assault, I thought about using my firearm, but I realized I would be overwhelmed, and in their mind would be their justification of killing me. 
So instead, I decided to appeal to any humanity they might have. I said as loud as I could manage, I've got kids. Thankfully, some in the crowd stepped in and assisted me. Those few individuals protected me from the crowd and inched me out of the Capitol towards my fellow officers. It's crazy that he had to use, literally had to use his kids to reach somebody's empathy. You know what I mean? The, this, the people who participated in the January 6th insurrection, whereas I will still agree that they are on the fringe, right? Like, they, it's still a mass amount of them, enough of them to completely overwhelm an unsuspecting capital. And like, let's not even get into what that potentially means in a really serious situation, right? Because, like, whereas the narrative that is being spun on both sides of the media, right, is that it was a bunch of bumbling fucking idiots that made it into the Capitol, it was not. There were dudes in there with fucking riot gear and with zip ties. And I and saw during the, um, I didn't get to watch the whole uh, hearing. I only watched about two hours of it. It was heavy. It's some heavy shit. Yeah, but they had, I saw a lot of the fucking testimony. They too. had a lot of the like radio recordings of yeah. people of people operating it. One of the other officers, Officer Hodges, uh, he continuously used the word terrorist and terrorism. I had made note of what each uh, officer was referring to as, and not once did any of them use the word protester. It was rioter, insurrectionist, terrorist. Because that's what it was. It wasn't a protest. Like, this was a clear distinction and an example of the difference between the narratives used to describe the Black Lives Matter protest and what an, an actual example of clear and present danger and disruption looks like, right? The, the people who participated in the January 6th insurrection are the accelerationists that Fox News has continuously been warning people like exist inside of these crowds, right? Like the George Soros like crisis actors and stuff like that. That is what happened on January 6th. And it's not the FBI, because that's another narrative that's being spun, is it was actually, and you know what's funny is they get to spin that narrative because when you break it down, a lot of the people who participated in this shit were police officers, like some of them like lawyers and shit like that. Like people who really are part of the quote unquote swamp, right? Like they continue to expose themselves. It, once again, why I bring up the fact that Donald Trump in a roundabout way continues to do the thing that he said he was going to do, but not in his favor, right? Like, he is draining the swamp because he's allowing the swamp creatures to come out and proudly proclaim here and loud for everybody, I'm a swamp creature. <laughs> so Hodges, Hodges went on to say, too. Hodges went on to say, and all of the officers went on to say, in their own way, in their own position of the Capitol, because they were all actually... Yeah. Well, um, two of them were actually together, and I will get to that. Okay. When he was out there, people would call them... He said that people were calling him stormtroopers, and they were uh, asking, are you one of us? And attempt to convert them to their cult. And in his confusion, he saw blue line flags mixed into the crowd. Yeah. But once he... Uh, 
he realized it was his turn in the quote-unquote meat grinder as all of the policemen shuttled into a hallway about four abreast, 30, uh, 30 in total, yeah. trying to hold their weight against this riot. He said it was his turn in the meat grinder, and eventually he got knocked down and started to get dragged out into the crowd. He was saved by uh, Sergeant Gunnell, and uh, he said his thought was he was going to be dragged out into the crowd and lynched. That was his word. It... I feel like it's evident to anybody who actually sits down and watches the footage and reads these reports as to what is happening. And you use the word, or they use the word in that statement that I feel like is perfect for what is happening. It is a cult movement. They do not respect the police. Nope. They respect authority. They want you to respect authority. Their authority. It is not just the institution of policing and the police that they want you to respect. No, that is the narrative. What they actually want you to respect, what they actually mean is obey authority. And I'm not just using those terms to be punk rock and like catch all. No. And that is actually what they are demonstrating and and what they demonstrated on the 6th. God damn it. I got something in my eye. It's the Illuminati trying to shut down my perception. There goes our pop perspective. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, when you stop and look at it, that is what is being what is happening right now because when you present to them the evidence and the actual accounts of police misconduct and you know the um who was it i think it was vermont may have been and i you know we might have to do a lighthouse update on this but i think vermont was the first state to make civil for forfeiture illegal, right? Where the police can come in and seize your property, right? For no reason, or not necessarily in all cases for no reason, but if they have reasonable doubt that your money may be, or your property may be tied to illegal gains, then they can come in and take your property. Speaking of illegal gains, the US government auctions off the one-of-the-kind Wu-Tang album, Once Upon a Time in Shaolin. The buyer and price will not be released. Nope. But it is said to have covered the remaining balance of Martin Shkreli's court-ordered forfeiture, which, if I remember correctly, the total was over $7 million. Jeez. And it is uh, now considered the most valuable record of all time. How much did it sell for before then? Do you remember? He bought it for two million. I he think bought he, it for two. I think it was resold for a million, and I guarantee you, it was sold for more now. Oh yeah, because they said the prices are listed. It's got. It covered his entire debt to the government. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So based off of that knowledge, I bet Riza bought it. Do you, so you think it was one of the members of the Wu Tang Clan? I really think. Yeah. Remember, when it first went up for sale the last time when Shkreli tried to sell it, Rizzo tried to buy it. That's fair. 
I think it was bought for money laundering purposes again. It will probably. It was probably. But it was bought by, from the U.S. government. That's like the worst person to try to money launder through. Is it though? I think Rizza bought it. I think the last four years say that that is the exact opposite of what you claim. I'm gonna still say Rizza bought it. What if Donald bought it? <laughs> Elon. No! It was totally Kanye! Elon. Kanye bought it so we could use samples from it! I think Elon would buy it though. I totally think Elon would buy it. Elon would totally buy it. Him and Grimes would buy it, and then they would snort LSD off of it. But couldn't you see Kanye buying it and using it for samples? samples. Yeah, but I... And the Donda album's not finished yet. Did we just crack the code? I guess we'll find out if we're in the splash zone. <laughs> On next week's episode of The Flood with Doc and Ziggy! Oh, man, I... So, in more investment news, Will Smith and Jay-Z have recently partnered up and teamed together. Teamed together. Will Smith and Jay-Z have teamed up in a partnership to invest in a company that will help make home ownership more of a possibility for low-income peoples. Cool! Um, me. That sounds so, dope. Will uh, Will Smith, Dreamers VC, and uh, Jay Z's Rock Nation have teamed up to invest in a startup company known as Landis Technologies. Uh, Landis has recently raised 165 million dollars to purchase somewhere around a thousand homes that they will use to, uh, I guess move forward in a startup that seeks to provide um, financial like advice and credit improvement advice like to people home makeover yeah, section 8 edition seeking to yeah uh, seek to for people seeking to become homeowners through a rent to home rent to own process right what Landis does is they buy the property outright and then they set you up with a two-year contract where you will uh, receive the coaching to help improve your credit score and save for a down payment and at the end of the two years the goal is for you to be able to put a down payment on the home yourself right and if not then Landis will either based on your standing at that point, they will either extend the contract a little bit or they will sell the property themselves. Um, and you know, how they make their money is they tack an initial fee onto the sale of the house and they also um, tack on a carrying cost to what your initial rent would be based on the value of the home and everything like Sweet. that. Sweet. So, Way um, to go, Jay-Z. Yeah. Way to go, Will Smith. I mean, you know, I I would like to, I bring this I would like to be up. represented by Rock Nation. <laughs> I bring this article up because I would like to see more ventures like this, like, you know, Killer Mike's um, Black Bank. Um, two of the largest black banks on the West Coast, or one of the largest black banks on the West Coast and one of the largest black banks on the East Coast actually just joined together um, to 
a tune of somewhere around, I think, a billion dollars in investment uh, potential. So, shouts out to that, uh, making home ownership more affordable and accessible to everybody is definitely one of the ways that we will be able to kind of balance out the middle class. The shout out to that and shout out to Token MPG and Edgewater, new gaming store showing up. Ed plug. If you sell, if you, if you tell them the flood sent you, tell them the you flood can, sent you. Tell them the flood sent you, and you can get a free pack of Pokemon, Flesh and Blood, Magic the Gathering. I don't think they have Yu-Gi-Oh, but Pokemon. It's a card shop. It's a card shop. Stop it. And Where's maybe I'll shop? even be there. It's in Edgewater. It's called Token MTG. Token MTG in Edgewater. Stop in there, tell them the flood sent you, and you get a free pack of your choice with your purchase. And you might even see the man Zig there. So one more time for him, that's Token MTG in Edgewater. In Edgewater. Soon to have a website up and going, and when we do, and when they do, we will have a promo code for you. Exactly. And you mentioned the flood when you stop in, and you'll get a free pack. So, I mean... With that being said, you know, it's always, look, Jay-Z, always known for smart business moves. Will Smith has also shown himself to be a smart businessman. and Maybe I not that's like, with public appearances, though. Neither one of them. I mean, look, but that's besides the point. This is great optics, though, because oh, yeah. closing <clears throat> that wealth gap is definitely what this country needs to, you know, make some kind of progress, right? But I guess that's just me being a socialist. Speaking of socialism, let's take a break. <laughs> well, that's a good way to end that, I suppose. Well, everybody, um... <laughs> uh, you gotta Resident Dez Heaven Kids yo. is a wild one. And it's like he didn't even get in trouble for anything, really. The dude just was like, alright, I've had to talk to you enough. I'm going to go talk to your dad. Dez wasn't even the one to hit the car. We might want to explain the context of that. It's just awkward when you're in the middle of a podcast and then, you know, a neighbor comes and knocks on the door because the kids are weaving in and out of cars and he thinks that, you know, your child may be the ringleader. I don't know what that says about my parenting. Um, but here we are uh, at the end of things for the day. I don't really have much else to go into. Um, the whole... Frito oh, we didn't talk about the Frito-Lay thing. We'll talk about the Frito-Lay thing another day. Yeah. Um, that story is still kind of developing. I uh, can throw out this last one. Uh, somebody on Bumble found out that somebody was, they admitted they were at the January 6th insurrection, and then they turned them over to the authorities and they got arrested. They found video of the guy brandishing a chain whip on the 6th. Look, weapon of choice, right? Like. I <laughs> Look, guys, be safe out there. <laughs> None of this shit is normal. Don't run into any cars with a bicycle. None of this shit is normal. Deuces!
Look, it's a flood. It's a flood. It's flooding. Get away. Quick, we need to get to higher ground. Open the floodgates.